So Money, episode 435, Ariana Huffington. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. On So Money, we spend a lot of time talking about how to live a richer life. And some of us are hustling as entrepreneurs, which can make managing money even more complex. Enter FreshBooks, the easy cloud accounting software made specifically for entrepreneurs and business owners who need to find a better way to deal with their paperwork. For example, invoicing. With FreshBooks, it takes about 30 seconds to create and send a polished, professional-looking invoice. FreshBooks also has automated expense tracking, where you can link your FreshBooks account to your credit and debit cards. The next time you expense that business lunch or tank of gas, it'll show up automatically in your FreshBooks account. Accepting online payments can be a challenge sometimes, but with FreshBooks, it takes two clicks. For a free 30-day unrestricted trial, go to freshbooks.com slash so money and enter so money podcast in the how did you hear about us section. If you have any questions, FreshBooks award-winning customer service is super helpful, friendly, and has zero attitude. So give FreshBooks a try for 30 days for free by going to freshbooks.com slash so money and enter so money podcast in the how did you hear about us section. Welcome to So Money, everyone. Guess what we're going to do today? We're going to learn how to sleep our way to the top. That's right, with Ariana Huffington. She has a new best-selling book out called The Sleep Revolution, Transforming Your Life One Night at a Time. I've been trying to get Ariana on this show since the first day. I've been emailing her. She's been very busy you know, uh, launching Huffington Post overseas, selling the Huffington Post, writing books. So I get it. She's busy. And plus, she tries to get a whole eight hours of sleep every night. So she tries to keep somewhat of a balanced work life. Uh, But she is here. She's excited to share her latest book with us called The Sleep Revolution. And, you know, it all started with her own brush with exhaustion in 2007. She had just kind of started the Huffington Post. It was in its infancy and she was working around the clock. Um, She woke up in a pool of blood with a broken cheekbone at one point, not knowing really how it happened. She thought maybe she had a brain tumor. Eventually, doctors said it was exhaustion. And so today she's on a mission to help all of us get a little more sleep every night which she believes will vastly improve our productivity, our health, and our bottom lines. And with Ariana, you know, she's a fantastic interview. She talks about how sleep has equated to a richer life for herself, how it can do so for us, and responds to criticism that sometimes the idea of getting more sleep is frankly a luxury that some of us can't afford. If you work two jobs, you're a single parent, how do you actually fit in all those hours of sleep? And uh, some financial lessons that she learned as a young girl growing up in Greece. We had her sister Agapi on the show earlier this year, episode 282. Check that out so you can cross-reference some of their uh, memories from childhood. And Ariana, as you know, prior to this book, she authored Thrive, the third metric to redefining success and creating a life of well-being, wisdom, and wonder. And in that book, she talks about how society needs to redefine the meaning of success, 
to mean more than increased salaries and corner offices. Amen to that. Here is Ariana Huffington. Ariana Huffington, welcome to So Money. Such an honor to have you on the show. I'm delighted to be on the show. You probably won't be happy to hear I was up a little bit late reading your book, The Sleep Revolution. Um, I'd be happier if it put you to sleep. (laughs) Well, in a good way, in a great way. Um, You know, I was just thinking that as I was reading the book and I was doing a lot of article searches on what people have been saying about sleep, this book has really sparked quite a debate, uh, which seems silly in some respects because... Sleep is so simple. Who would argue that we don't need more sleep? But we don't live in a society that really respects the notion of sleep. We brag about the fact that we stood up late to read a book or that we only need four hours to sleep. And even Thomas Edison, you quoted him in your book. He said sleep is an absurdity, a bad habit. He probably wanted to sell more light bulbs. I don't know. But you know, why do you think we don't first and foremost respect sleep then and now in society as we should? Well, we are really living under this collective delusion that in order to succeed and achieve, we need to burn out and to sacrifice sleep. And it is simply a delusion. We are a little bit, um, in a way, in, in the same situation that we were regarding smoking in the 1950s and 60s, when people still glamorized smoking in the movies, you had doctors, literally doctors in the 1960s on television advertising cigarettes. I just watched one saying, I smoke mentals because it refreshes my throat. Hmm. And uh, we are in a similar moment where there is a cultural shift happening. But as is often the case in any cultural shift, multiple behaviors are coexisting. So you have the people who are still bragging about how little sleep they got. And you have employers congratulating employees for working 24-7, which is the uh, cognitive equivalent of coming to work drunk. Um, But at the same time, you have more and more CEOs coming out saying, I need sleep to make wise decisions for the company, like Jeff Bezos is saying, I need eight hours sleep. And if I make fewer decisions, but they are 5% better, that's much better for Amazon. And you have many brands, hotels, sleep, uh, hotels, um, airlines, uh, using sleep service as a competitive advantage. So the shift is happening. The shift is happening. Sometimes you don't see the rewards of sleep at a corporate level Quickly. I mean, that's the fear, right? It's like if I'm jet blue and I'm going to start incorporating more sleep allowances for my employees, you, you know, maybe Virgin is not doing that and they're going to get a leg up, at least in the short run. How do you reconcile the shift to sleep more when in the meantime, it may mean taking a step back to in, in order to be more productive? It doesn't mean a step back. That's why I structured the book so that people could, first of all, understand the crisis and the price individuals and companies are paying for uh, devaluing and scorning sleep, and then have a whole section on the latest scientific findings about sleep that make it absolutely clear that getting enough sleep improves your productivity. So um, companies would see the result immediately. 
And that's where we have a major company like Aetna that recently introduced financial incentives. Yes. Up to $300 for people who get seven hours of sleep or more. Now, that is like a huge turning point. Uh, because the reason they did it is not just because they care about the health of their employees, but because they made the connection between employees who get enough sleep and what happens to the bottom line in terms of reducing healthcare costs and um, and improving productivity. Right, similar to how companies are Im- having new wellness programs. If you join a gym or you, you know, um, go onto a weight loss plan, that will actually mean maybe some bonuses for you or some exactly. financial benefits. There's nothing better than a financial benefit sometimes to get people motivated. But, you know, there's a cost to being able to afford yourself the sleep sometimes. And critics say that, you know, being able to sleep more, having eight hours of sleep, it's a luxury that some can't afford. Do you think that's a fair statement? No, absolutely not. Because actually, um, I would say that the more uh, challenging your life, the more... um difficult circumstances, the harder you are struggling to uh, put food on the table, the more you need your resilience. And um, sleep deprivation affects your resilience uh, immediately. Um, You are less able to deal with challenges. You are less creative about finding shortcuts through problems. And um, you have more... um, likelihood of uh, becoming depressed or anxious and all these aspects of your mental health that affect how you function and how you deal with difficult circumstances. So sleep is not just for those who can afford um, to have support and and, um, we see actually that sleep deprivation is a crisis across our whole society, whether it's those at the top uh, who are struggling with multiple demands on their time and and they have forgotten how to say no and how to set boundaries uh, in terms of the use of technology and also um at the among the people who are most struggling in our society in fact i had um, a clinic in a harlem church and um i talked to a lot of people who are precisely um, the demographic you are describing. And what was really sad was that they were completely unaware of the importance of sleep and that they were prioritizing, say, watching TV for four hours and mm-hmm. falling asleep with the TV on and then going to the um, kitchen to get something sweet when they woke up in the middle of the night because they couldn't go back to sleep. And and then they were wondering why they were in their 30s and diabetic and uh, there's so much, um, there's such a great need for raising awareness about the importance of sleep. Right. Awareness, understanding your priorities. That's something that, uh, everyone can do. This is a very personal story for you, right? And you started in your book, Thrive, your previous book, talking about how you had experienced burnout. You woke up in your own pool of blood. You thought maybe it was a brain tumor. Doctors eventually said it was sleep deprivation. And that's how your personal journey, your shift happened. But how has this materially changed your life? How has more sleep meant more richness and success for you? Have you measured it? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just kind of transformational. That's why I used uh, um, that um, that subtitle, you know, transforming your life one night at a time. It truly has transformed every aspect of my existence. Um, let's start with my health. You know, I feel much more healthy, much more vital. I'm much less likely to to uh, catch a cold or the flu and definitely uh, much less likely to collapse as I did from sleep deprivation and hit my head on the way down and break my cheekbone. Uh, in terms of my productivity, I think unequivocally I'm a better leader at the Huffington Post. I'm more creative in terms of my writing and my speaking and um, also just as important for me there is more joy in my life uh, there are fewer negative fantasies and less anxiety and um, fewer unnecessary worries so it's, it truly transforms your life right now you see so many people walking around like zombies and not really enjoying um, what they the blessings in their lives or even not remembering to notice them. And that's why I think it's critical for people to read the new scientific findings that show unequivocally in the same way we changed our minds about tobacco, that sleep deprivation makes us um, less productive, less healthy and less happy. This episode of So Money is brought to you by Ting.com. Ting is a monthly phone service that's saving people a lot of money on their monthly cell phone bills. Use a lot of minutes? No problem. Just pay a little more. Use very few minutes? Well, then only pay for what you use. Ting believes you deserve to pay a fair price for the service you actually use, all without a contract. Their average cell phone bill is 23 bucks per month. Their nationwide network works on both GSM and CDMA, and you can even bring your own device. Visit somoney.ting.com and see how much you could be saving with Ting. Use Ting's handy device checker to confirm your phone can make the move. Once you're all set, just start using your device. Ting will break down your usage by minutes, messages, and megabytes and keep you updated throughout their easy-to-use dashboard. And right now, Ting is offering $25 towards your first device or Ting service when you sign up at somoney.ting.com. All you have to do is lose your cell phone contract. So visit somoney.ting.com ting.com to get your $25 credit today. Tobacco was definitely a revolution. We changed our minds on that and it took a while and still people are struggling with it. I remember a few years ago, someone said sitting is the new smoking. And now you're saying sleep is or lack of sleep is the new smoking. Um, you know, and back when people were doing the whole sitting is the new smoking, uh, smoking, people got standing desks, but I feel like that revolution fizzled. I don't, I think people went back to sitting. <laughs> I'm sitting right now doing this interview. <laughs> I bought the standing desk. I gave it away. What will it take to keep this revolution going? I think right now your book is very hot. People are talking about it. We get it. But ultimately this is a multi-pronged effort. It's not just one person deciding institutions have to also implement good practices. Governments, something like France just banned not you know, checking your cell phone uh, for work or checking your email for work over the weekends, right? That's that's revolutionary. Um, do you think that's possible for the United States? Well, I think that the, the, in the United States, what is um, much more likely to happen is what has begun to happen, which is workplaces. 
um, making it easier for employees to disconnect from technology, um, setting expectations so that they know they are not expected to be always on when they are no longer working, uh, having nap rooms. I think nap rooms are going to become as uh, universal as conference rooms. And what is really happening now is that we have convinced people that exercise and nutrition are two critical pillars of health. That doesn't mean everybody does the right thing here, but at least they know it. They cannot say they are not aware. Now, sleep is the third pillar. Actually, scientists will tell you sleep is the first pillar. And these are the three pillars of health. So this is not, this is not, um, a sort of um, a cultural moment. This is here to stay. We are we are seeing the culture shift, and uh, I think faster than we than we expect, we are going to have a complete uh, cultural revolution around sleep. I, I don't have any concern that this mm-hmm. is not here to stay. My only concern is how quickly can we bring about the changes in our own lives in the um lives of our companies in order to reduce a lot of the unnecessary suffering in people's lives. And I love in chapter nine, you talk about just the simple steps you can, you can take. If maybe you can't immediately go to eight hours, there's a lot you can do to increase the quality of the sleep that you have currently, um, you know, avoiding technology, keeping it dark, when you sleep, we just bought our son blackout shades because I need more sleep and he needs more sleep. So getting him blackout shades was going to solve both of those problems and cutting the caffeine, which I thought was interesting because you said that we have actually as a society, we're drinking less caffeine, coffee rather, um, since the 1940s, but sugar has really replaced the sugary drinks has replaced the co- the caffeine, the coffee drinks. Yeah, so the point is that, uh, I mean, the, coffee is not a problem. You know, I love coffee. Uh, I'm drinking coffee as I'm talking to you now. I drink coffee until 2 p.m. The problem is putting caffeine in your body too close to sleep. And most important, the problem are these energy drinks, which are full of chemicals and sugar. And um, the numbers of emergency visits from energy drinks have doubled. So that's really the problem. And the, and the reason people take drink Red Bull or other energy drinks is because they're so incredibly sleep deprived that they are using that in order to power through. I had your sister on this podcast, Agapi, not too long yes. ago, and she was so f- awesome to talk to. She talked all about Greece and living with you and all good things. <clears throat> and this show is all about money. You know, we wanted to talk about our financial philosophies, our experiences. And she mentioned a really great story about growing up in Greece. Your mother would always tell you, take care of your capital. And I'm wondering now, Ariana, for you, what was your greatest money memory of growing up as a child and how maybe you, your first big lesson around money? What was that? So, well, we grew up in a one-bedroom apartment, and uh, we really didn't have any money. But my mother always made us feel that somehow she would find money, that uh, if there was something important, she would borrow. She sold everything she had to get us a good education. So I learned that you set your priorities, and if it's something important, if it's something that involves investing in yourself rather than buying consumer goods, then... um, Nothing is really too much to do. My mother became a housekeeper 
to continue supporting us. So that's really the spirit that she gave to us. And uh, that's, I feel, something that I carried with me through good times and bad. Speaking of good times and bad, publicly, we see a lot of the good times, right? Your launching of Huffington Post, selling Huffington Post. What would you say financially may have been a moment in your life that was not the best, that you may have misstepped along the way? Oh, um, there have been a lot of times. You know, when I, my second book was rejected by 36 publishers, by which time I had run out of the money. I had made from uh, my first book. And um, that was a moment of um, worry and fear that maybe I had picked uh, the wrong job, you know, to be a writer and maybe I needed to do something else. And um, and that was really the time for me again to to take a leaf out of my mother's book. And I went into a bank and asked for a loan. I mean, there were little... There wasn't a lot of likelihood that I would be given a loan, but I was. So you never know. I think what is important is for us to to try and do everything we can to stay on course when when times are financially difficult. And your greatest success? You've had many. Financial success? Um, financially? Well, yes. obviously, <clears throat> selling the Huffington Post uh, was a financial success. I'm now getting ready to launch another company called Thrive Global that's going to be about um, going into workplaces to uh, to help uh, change cultures around the principles of thriving and not just surviving that will include e-commerce. I'm really excited about that because I feel there is something, as we discussed in the zeitgeist, that... Um, that means people want to stop living their lives in a way that that um, is so detrimental to our health. You're a big meditator, right? You you meditate daily. I feel like that's also a revolution that we saw happening. I mean, people have been meditating for generations, for eras, but it's it's had some great PR in the last couple of years. For you, what have been some of the immediate benefits of meditation? Oh, you know, the meditation, which I've been doing since I was 13. 13? Wow. Yes. Uh, On and off. You know, I haven't done it um, as um, relentlessly as I do it now. It has made a big difference in helping me connect with myself, disconnect from devices and distractions, and, uh, and help me be more centered and less stressed. You have a lot of habits from meditation to obviously making sure you're getting the right amount of sleep. When it comes to money and your number one habit around maintaining your wealth and making healthy financial choices, what would you say is something that you practice, maybe not daily, but it is conscious? You know, I think it's important to for people to look at what is their, their risk profile. Um, I don't have a, a big risk tolerance for financial decisions, and I accept that. I mean, I've taken a lot of risks in my life when it comes to work, and I'm totally comfortable with that. Um, but I've always worked for a living, so I don't make risky decisions when it comes to my finances. I'm very conservative. I don't like spending 
a lot of time <laughs> and making decisions. I prefer to make less money in my investments but have peace of mind. That's my profile. I mean, there are other people who have who are much more comfortable with risk, and I think therefore they will make very different decisions. That's for me what matters to just know what your risk profile is and and make decisions accordingly. I hear that from entrepreneurs. You know, I find that surprising a little bit because entrepreneurs like yourself, they are they have a you know, as far as a risk profile from a perhaps a business standpoint, they're they're highly risk taker. They're high highly risky risk takers. They prefer to invest, say, in their own companies, in themselves, in businesses. But when it comes to the financial world, stocks, investments, they're very conservative. Do you find that that's similar with your colleagues at, you know, other entrepreneurs you've met that when it comes to money, it's more about accumulation than investment? I think it's more about the risks that they are more in control of. I think if you're an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. I think entrepreneurs have... Um, a much greater risk tolerance when it comes to decisions that they're in control of. Right, right. Well, Ariana, thank you so much. The Sleep Revolution is a New York Times bestseller, and I know I heard you're, you're teaming up with Oprah. Um, well, Oprah and um, the, the own team and I teamed up to produce an e-course. Yes. Um, called the Thrive e-course, which is available for anybody to take. It's a six-week e-course that takes a lot of these ideas and um, and makes them more actionable so that people can make changes in their lives on a, on a daily basis. And I'm a big believer in micro steps, so they don't have to be very dramatic changes. All these tips and techniques and best practices once you change your mind about this, about sleep's importance to be able to change your habits. Well, thank you so much and wishing you lots of glorious nights of sleep in your future and for all of us. Thank, thank you so you much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Ariana, her website is arianahuffington.com. Of course, there's thehuffingtonpost.com and she's on Twitter at arianahuff. And of course, the book again is The Sleep Revolution, Transforming Your Life One Night at a Time. We'd love to know what you think about sleep. Send us a comment at somoneypodcast.com. Click on Ariana's episode at the bottom. There'll be an area where you can leave us some comments and I will respond. And if you have any questions for me, for the upcoming Friday episodes of Ask Farnoosh, click on Ask Farnoosh while you're at the So Money Podcast website and a window will pop up where you can submit your question. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. And I hope your day and night is so money.